0: Greetings, fellow captains, and welcome back to Rank Amateur. Today on Rank Amateur, we will not be featuring any of the brand spanking new um, Italian battleships. Those are all the rage right now, Um, but we will not be featuring one of those ships. We'll be featuring a ship that has been in the game for a very long time. That is the uh, Tier VIII non-premium U.S. Navy heavy cruiser, the USS Baltimore. But as per usual, we will not be going over USS Baltimore until we've gone over the news in World of Warships. So, the first major thing that has happened is Update 0.10.1 came out uh, about a week ago or so, uh, and that has introduced the Italian battleships into early access. Now, these things haven't really taken a whole bunch of the spotlight as far as in public testing. Um... As much, or at least as much as the German destroyers have, and that's because they're not particularly remarkable. Although they do have uh, SAP in their, or in replacement of their high explosive shells, similar to the Italian cruisers. In fact, they're pretty much just a bigger Italian cruiser in every way. Uh, Their armor piercing is okay. Um, They have a fairly long reload. I don't remember exactly what it was. It's got the exhaust smoke screen generator, really high speed, uh, actually really quite good armor, and secondaries that are nothing to scoff at. Um, They have a high rate of fire, and they seem to be quite accurate, and there seems to be a lot of them. They're not, they don't have the penetrating capability of uh, German or American ones, but They are quite scary for destroyers who tend to wander too close. I quite learned that the hard way with uh, one of my destroyers when I first saw one of these Italian battleships. However, they are good ships in every respect except for their guns. Their guns are Roma-type accuracy, and uh, that seems to be the most frustrating thing about these ships. Also, their sap shells only do 10% damage to destroyers, so it's pretty much just like an armor-piercing overpenetration. Or at least so, from what I've heard, and so they're not—they're uh, not super great for dealing with destroyers, other than their amazing secondaries, or well, not amazing, but decent secondaries. Um, uh, also something I noticed: uh, the tier ten Cristofo Colombo really just looks like a Montana. It—it it seems to be kind of a cut-and-paste Montana that has some italian weaponry attached to it because it's it's got those um the same kind of bridge type look it's very wide like the montana very long like the montana it's got the same turret placement things like that although it does have four guns per turret but those are only 15 inch guns so you have 16 guns but they're only 15 inch um and that's at tier 10 and the Leopanto, uh i think it's how you pronounce it at tier 9 looks to be like a roma with four guns per turret um, and there's new, some, some new clan battles. It's, uh, tier nine ships, seven V seven format. Um, there are some restrictions that they're going to be putting in. Um, uh, they already have eliminated the Kronstadt from the tier nine battle. They've, uh, eliminated the Kitakazi. They're also looking at, uh, completely restricting the Yabuki, the Yugumo and the black, um but a division can only have one of those so far and i think they're also going to restrict the alaska and there was one other ship they were going to restrict i it escapes me right now um also the new raked battles i believe i went over the changes in that in my previous podcast uh more on the same thing except bronze league can have tier 9 ships now and uh, silver league can have tier 10 ships now Uh, it makes it harder to play if you only have a tier 8 um and that's pretty much it. Um they've added some new Dasha commanders for the Armory, uh, and they've obviously taken away the Thunderer, the Alaska, the uh, Massachusetts, the Oh boy, what else are you gonna take away? All the ships that they were going to take away. They've enhanced some of the visuals on uh, um the water. The water looks absolutely amazing right now. It's not quite safe thieves levels yet, but it is still pretty look good looking. Um, in other changes, uh, they've added the Z 31, the Gustav Julius Marker, the Flick Sh- uh, Schultz, the Elbig, the ZF 6, the Hayuga, and the Agincourt uh, for testing. Uh, those are all just different ships. The Agincourt, I'm looking forward to because it's a new British battleship that was uh, played in Jutland, I th- or participated in Jutland, I think. Um, they've renamed the Fen Yang, uh, well, Fen Yang, but it doesn't have a space between Fen and Yang. Uh, they've added some new portraits of Italian commanders. They've obviously removed these uh, really powerful premium ships from Purchase, uh, Georgia, Alaska, Massachusetts, Thunder, and Smallland. Uh, Georgia is also the one that's going that I'm pretty sure is going to be restricted from being in clan battles. Uh, And starting from update 0.10.2, Somers will not be in the Armory. It shall be replaced with Austin. I'm really kind of sad about the Somers leaving because the Austin never existed and the Somers actually did. Uh, Oh well. And uh, that's about it for uh, content additions and uh, changes as far as improvements. They have fixed a, a glitch that has uh, caused AA explosions to not deal any damage to aircraft in some cases. Also fixed an air that caused uh, damage main battery guns and torpedo tubes to start reloading after the repra- after the repairs if they were loaded before taking damage. I've uh, noticed that. Uh, a lot of times my torpedo tubes will be taken out, especially on my Gajamata. And after they've been repaired, it has to suffer through the nearly two minute long reload again and that really hurts in other airs, they've uh they've actually buffed the belfast 43 they've increased the number of smoke uh, generators consumables from four to five Uh, they fixed the air that prevented defensive aa fire modification one from being a special upgrade on Yang. they fixed uh, san zhang's patrol fighters remember that's that special um, aircraft carrier that the pan-asian tech tree now has or not tech tree just the nation has uh, they fixed the delay with the Z-44's uh, torpedo tubes during aiming. You try to switch the torpedo types and it wouldn't for like a few seconds and then it finally would. Uh, they also fixed the error that caused the Palo Emilio to, be, uh, like to go out of its own smoke screen at maximum speed if you have a speed flag running. So they uh, have now fixed that. A slight buff to Palo Emilio, I guess. They also fixed an error that led to the Conning Tower armor protection of North Carolina not being present on the B-Hull, I have noticed that. I have taken huge chunks of damage through my North, uh, my conning tower before this. And that was not very fun. Now it tends to ricochet more off your superstructure. That is very nice because North Carolina doesn't exactly have the best armor to begin with. In other news, uh, there's actually not much other news. There's this new event that they've uh, released that's for the Warhammer 40k sort of thing. You can uh, have these special... Um, premium ships that are for... Uh, you can either fight for Chaos or Imperium. Uh, if you're into uh, that, I guess go for it. I don't really play Warhammer 40k at all, or don't know anything about it, so... not particularly special to me, but if that's what you're after, then there you go. And as far as I've seen, uh, there is no changes to Deadeye that are planned yet, or at least none that have been released. And I'm sure most of you know that that's the skill that's been released since the Commander Rework, which has totally changed the game. A single skill, single four-point skill, has made high-tier gameplay about as boring as watching paint dry. Uh, I've had numerous games where anything larger than the Destroyer has not passed uh, the caps. It has not gone into the caps. I've just seen tons of ships way at, like, the A-Line and things like that. Just not doing anything. And it's been really dull, really hard to play a cruiser. I've gotten nuked from outside V-range by, Yam- uh, by Yamato running Deadeye and uh, completely destroyed. Didn't even see him. Got detected by aircraft. Didn't even see him. Uh, man, that was, that was a lot of fun. Anyways, moving on swiftly, we are uh, going to listener mail, and I actually have gotten an email from MSG2007 again. He uh, asked for a recommendation on what line he should start next, saying that he has not done the British light cruisers, uh, battleships or CVs, the Japanese CVs, the Pan-Asian DDs, and the French battleships as well. Well, okay, there's a few lines I would stay as far away from, notably all the cruiser lines. Yeah, so I would not go down pretty much any of the cruiser lines Um, you might get away with doing the British light cruisers because they're super stealthy and they can smoke up and uh, deal with destroyers. Um, obviously the CVs, if you're skilled in the CVs, uh, there's no reason not to because they're completely unaffected by the commander rework. In fact, they've gotten buffed. Um, as far as battleships, um, French battleships have gotten a buff because of Deadeye, um, because their accuracy is normally pretty bad, and now they have fairly decent accuracy, high velocity, and usually a lot of guns, especially at those mid-tiers. You're talking about, like, the Normandy and the Lyon. Uh, so that might not be a bad line to go down, especially since now they, they're they good at range because of how fast and maneuverable they are. Uh, British battleships, uh, very strong choice, I would say, for uh, the Deadeye age, um, and that's because they can just burn everything from you know, 20-plus kilometers away, especially at high tiers, you can, like the Conqueror and stuff. And even ships like the Orion have, like, Montana-grade high uh, explosive shells. It's kind of ridiculous. Pan-Asian destroyers, yeah, I'm currently grinding them now. Um, You can, I, I think, especially since with Deadeye, there's not a whole lot of cruisers. They're really starting to shine now because uh, their torpedoes can only hit cruisers and battleships if they can get further back. Um, and hit those battleships, then you're golden. The only problem is, since there's a lot of battleships hanging back and not a lot of destroyers, you're seeing a lot more uh, destroyers that are hard for Pan-Asian destroyers to deal with. You're seeing a lot more American destroyers and things like that that are sneaking back to these lines and dealing with, the the I guess, the higher prevalence of torpedo boat destroyers. And that's a big problem for Pan-Asian destroyers, I'm noticing. I'm noticing a lot more of those gunboat destroyers being played. And that can kind of ruin your day i ran into a it was a kitakazi was charging my smoke screen and tried to sneak out of the smoke screen ran straight into him and you can uh dis- you can probably d- discern how well that went it did not go well <laughs> for me so pan-asian dds uh if you want to i guess not super strong but i would recommend those battleship lines or the cv lines if you want to uh, I guess my best recommendation would probably be the British Battleships. I think they've, I think they've gotten a huge buff with um, the uh, Commander rework. But in general, I would advise against starting any new line right now. I guess if you really want to, you can. But the problem with starting a new line right now is they could come out with a huge nerf for Deadeye or change Deadeye completely and replace it with a new skill. That might mean that British Battleships get a huge nerf. And you wouldn't want to do that if you're already at like tier six in the British battleships and now they're super terrible. So I would just be careful um, starting a new line. But as of now, definitely British battleships would be the best line to go up. But that just about does it for this section of the episode. I will catch you in the history section with USS Baltimore right after the break. And we're back at Rank Amateur and we're going to learn about some USS Baltimore history. So without further ado, let's get into it. So USS Baltimore was named after the city of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, For those of you who maybe aren't from the United States or don't know where Baltimore is, it's uh, uh, in a state that's sort of on the east coast of the U.S. Uh, It's not directly on the coast, uh, but it does have access to the sea. And it's actually just north of the capital of Washington, D.C., So USS Baltimore, the ship, was built by Bethlehem Shipbuilding Corporation's four riverfront Quincy, Massachusetts plant. Uh, It was laid down on the 26th of May, 1941, launched on July 28th, 1942, and was commissioned on April 15th, 1943. Uh, She uh, had the hull identification number, CA-68, indicating that she was a heavy cruiser, which she was, uh, she was awarded nine battle stars for her service. Uh, she was the lead ship of the Baltimore class of heavy cruisers, had a displacement of 14,472 long tons, uh, and that was standard. The maximum displacement was 17,031 long tons. The length of the ship was 673 feet 5 inches, or 205.26 meters overall. Uh, the beam was 70 feet 10 inches, or 21.59 meters. The draft was 20 feet, 6 inches, 6.25 meters uh, as a mean, and the maximum draft was 26 feet, 10 inches, or 8.18 meters. She had an installed power of four 615 PSI steam boilers, generating a total of 120,000 shaft horsepower. Uh, she had four general electric geared steam turbines, each powering one screw. So she had four total screws, four t- propellers on it. She could reach a speed of 33 knots, and she had a range of 10,000 nautical miles at 15 knots, which is pretty standard for a cruiser. Uh, she had a complement of 1,142 officers enlisted uh, personnel. Uh, she had an armament of three triple 8-inch or 200-millimeter 55-caliber guns. Um, they... I believe they were two hundred or two or three mils, I forget which one. Uh, they were, but they are eight-inch guns. Uh, she had six dual five-inch one mm thirty-millimeter thirty-eight-caliber anti-aircraft guns. She had twelve. Uh, she had twelve quad forty-millimeter Bofors anti-aircraft guns. Twenty-four single twenty-millimeter Oerlikon anti-aircraft cannons. And she had actually quite a bit of armor in real life. The belt was 100 to 150 millimeters thick. She had a deck that was 2.5 or 64 millimeters, inch, or 64 millimeters thick. Uh, her turret bar bets were 6 to 6.3 inches or 150 to 160 millimeters thick. And the turrets had 1.5 to 8 inches of armor on them. So 38 to 203 millimeters of armor. Uh, and I believe the turret faces did have that 203 millimeters of armor on it. And you see what's interesting about this ship is that I was actually able to find the call sign for USS Baltimore and apparently that call sign was housemade for whatever reason. I think those call signs are pretty randomized but uh, just interesting nonetheless. A little bit about the design of the Baltimore class of cruisers. So essentially, uh basically like all US wartime uh, built cruisers, uh they were derivatives of the Brooklyn class cruiser and the Brooklyn class cruiser um, is seen in World of Warships as the USS Helena. Now, why they didn't put USS Brooklyn in the place of USS Helena, because USS Brooklyn was actually the lead ship of the class, I don't totally know. But that's the same hull that they're based off of. So the Cleveland, um, all it is is it's a Brooklyn hull that's been widened by 7%. Um, and the Baltimore has had its hull increased uh, lengthwise by 15, or 10%, and then widthwise by 15%. So... As many of you may know, that means that the ship is going to be slower. However, this was offset because the ship had carried more powerful machinery. And really what these ships were based off of was the Wichita. And the Wichita is seen in World of Warships as actually it's 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 a ship in World of Warships. It's uh, a premium ship, premium tier 8 U.S. Navy heavy cruiser. I do have an interest in getting this in that ship someday, but um, only when the Commander rework has figured itself out. Um... And some interesting new things that they've added to the ship is those twin uh, 5-inch dual-purpose guns um, that greatly increased the anti-aircraft firepower and uh, the secondary firepower of the Baltimores. And um, there was some debate on whether the U.S. Navy should build heavy cruisers or light cruisers. And uh, some people in the U.S. Navy shipbuilding bureaus looked at, like, at, uh, navies like the Royal Navy, which worked extensively at building light cruisers, and that's demonstrated by how the U.S., or the Royal Navy in World of Warships has more light cruisers, or at least real light cruisers, than they do heavy cruisers. Their heavy cruisers stop at Tier 6 versus their light cruisers stop at Tier 8. And I mean, they all go to Tier 10, but that's just where the real ships stop. And it was decided that they were going to make more heavy cruisers because the U.S. Navy, uh, liked the fact that they had, a superior, Um, penetration on their 8-inch guns. And uh, the uh, debate was that, hey, well, these 6-inch guns have a faster rate of fire, and why aren't we loading it like the Royal Navy does? The Royal Navy... uh, And there was some competition between the U.S. Navy and Royal Navy. Uh, The Royal Navy said that they could or that their experienced gun crews could load an 8-inch shell every 10 seconds, while the U.S. Navy could only dream of that, and they had a 15-second reload on their guns. Uh, that was with the guns that were not automatic, like the Des Moines class. And this, the reason for this is because is the U.S. Navy used uh, separate ammunition, which essentially means you have a really large shell, and then you have bags of propellant that you load into the gun behind it, light it, and then uh, the shell goes flying out of the barrel at something like 700 meters a second. Um, and that is more efficient for larger guns, so you see pretty much all battleships use that because an actual bullet would would be so huge for that for that gun caliber but the the royal navy decided that they were going to use just an actual more of a bullet where it would actually spit out a shell casing after the gun had been fired more like the des moines class when the u.s navy invented or uh completed the des moines class there was uh, like an actual shell casing that would spit out of the gun every time it fired that's not so with the baltimore so that's why you have that slower reloading gun and the fact that uh, shells like that can only be re- reloaded when the gun's at a certain elevation. So unlike in World of Warships, in real life, all battleships had to lower their guns to zero degrees elevation so that the, the shells could be pressed into the barrels and then they would raise them again. Um, that's why you see so many pictures of the guns at like different angles because some have been fired and some are reloading and some are ready to fire. Uh, that's the same thing with the USS Baltimore. They would have to lower the guns push the uh, the propellant and the shell in and then raise them back up. So that's that whole process takes around 15 seconds versus the Royal Navy claims that they can do it in 10 seconds or less with their skilled gun crews. And not only would a f- uh, fully automatic gun not be available for the Baltimore class because it was still under development, uh, it would require a significantly larger ship. Uh, and this is because the gun is so much larger because it's got all this mechanical... Uh, Devices that are supposed to shove the shell into the breach and close it and aim it and stuff. Uh, So those guns, if you actually look in World of Warships, the turrets are much, much larger than that that's on the Buffalo and the Baltimore. And that's, that's because there's that mechanism behind it, and it's also a lot heavier, which means that there's more steel involved in making a ship to make it float, so they wouldn't have been able to make as many cruisers. So there was a whole bunch of problems in making the guns on the Baltimore fully automatic, which is why they are not fully automatic on the Baltimore and the Buffalo. The Baltimores are largely considered to be a more stable ship design, though, than the Clevelands, and this is because the Clevelands were literally just a Brooklyn hull with more superstructure. What happens when you add more superstructure to a ship is that the center of gravity tends to raise. So then that makes a worse gun platform because even in, like, shallow seas, you're still going to have the ship rolling a bunch and you want as little roll as possible to get the most accurate shots. So the Clevelands, were they were plagued with problems with top heaviness and instability and rough seas and things like that because they just had so much weight so high compared to their hulls versus the... The uh, Baltimores were 15% wider, or, well, well, 15% wider than the hull that the uh, Clevelands were based on, and Clevelands were in turn 5% wider, or, yeah, 7% wider. So they were just an objectively better ship. And the interesting thing uh, about the Baltimore class is there's actually a subclass, much like the British Royal Navy County class cruisers, um midway through them producing these designs they changed it so that uh if you notice on the baltimore in world of warships you'll see that there's two aircraft cranes at the aft end of the ship for picking the seaplanes out of the water and putting them back on the catapults and that is because it had a large hangar in the back there uh, and it could store uh four float planes and this was reduced to only two in later classes, and the cat, or the hangar was obviously reduced in size to save on weight, and they took away one of the cranes. Um, in other changes to this subclass, they also took the two funnels that they have on the Baltimore and trunked them into one, and this was to improve the firing arcs of the uh, anti-aircraft weaponry. And this saved on weight, allowed them to put more anti-aircraft guns on, uh, and created a significantly different silhouette than the uh, Baltimore class. Uh, and they were thus named the um, Oregon City subclass of cruisers. And it would have been interesting to see them add something like that in the um, in, in World of Warships as a sort of uh, like a hull or something like that. That would have been interesting. Um, wish I would have seen it, but I guess they didn't add it. Something you may notice about U.S. Navy ships is they, uh, the U.S. Navy preferred to have a closed bridge ship, so that meant that the bridge was not exposed to the elements. It had a bunch of windows in the front of it, and uh, that way the ship was easily commanded in rough seas. Uh, the Royal Navy was not like this. The Royal Navy pertur- preferred an open-top bridge to see aircraft better and things like that. Uh, this left, obviously, the command staff to to the weather and Bullets and stuff like that, so it was a pretty much a strictly Royal Navy thing to do that. But uh, you'll notice that the Baltimore class has a more open bridge, and that's because during wartime the U.S. Navy didn't have time to build bridges and stuff like that. So it's just basically a platform for the command staff to sit upon and command the ship. This was quickly changed after the war on most variants of the or most ships of the Baltimore class, and you'll see that they actually did window in the bridge. And make a more uh, like command center like structure, as you'll see on the Des Moines in World of Warships, and the B hulls of the Iowa and the North Carolina, and all hulls of the Montana. They they have a very prominent bridge, and this is actually interesting because it's a characteristic of most of the fake ships in World of Warships. Yes, most of the fake ships in World of Warships actually go off of U.S. Navy designs. In the fact that they have a massive amount of secondary guns are usually very wide and uh, have a very prominent bridge structure. If you look at like the Riga and the uh, Kremlin and the Sovetsky Soyuz, they have very prominent bridges. And the pyotr Viliki. they have very prominent bridges. You can, you can tell where the bridge is. I, I don't know why I noticed that, but it seems like all the fake ships have it in World of Warships. Anyways, back to the um, characteristics of the Baltimore class. Uh, most of these ships did serve into the mid-70s or early eight. well, actually, no. They served into the early 70s, sometimes late 70s, depending on the ship. Um, the USS St. Paul served until 1979, I want to say, 78, 79. So a uh, fairly long time. That was like a, like a 27-year career or whatever. Um, So a long career for these ships, Uh, that's in stark contrast to the uh, Cleveland-class light cruisers which were discarded quickly after the war because they were more easily replaced by destroyers and um, post-war cruisers versus you can't really replace uh, the firepower of an 8-inch gun. But I think that's enough of blabbing on about the design of these ships, let's get to the actual history. Of the USS Baltimore, so 1943 in general, or early 1943 in general, was not super interesting for the USS Baltimore. It was more just training exercises and um, shakedown cruises and things like that. Although they did have to return to Norfolk for repairs uh, related to a leak in the hydraulic system for the main battery, um, which is not good. You don't want to have a leak there because if that if that system goes out, that means you won't be able to turn your main battery guns at all or operate them so that tends to be kind of important to rectify unfortunately i can't really find a detailed description of the baltimore service history in world war ii i don't know why that is but it's mostly just listing the shore bombardment duties that um she partook in so from 1943 to or november 1943 through june 1944 baltimore was uh, a unit of fire support and covering forces for the McKinnon Island landings, the kuala invasions, the Turk Raid, the Inani-Wutok In- 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 seizure, um, and then uh, another interesting thing that happened is that Denver M. Baxter of the U.S. Naval Reserve was flying one of the uh, USS Baltimore's uh, Vought OS2U uh, kingfishers, and he was also covered by two Grumman uh hellcats which were fighters uh escorting him so he didn't get shot down by some rogue zero or something like that uh they rescued uh george m blair of the us naval reserve uh less than 6000 yards from dublon island inside the tr- uh truck lagoon or turk lagoon uh where he had his- ditched his flak crippled hellcat um, interesting thing, and you might be wondering why can they do this, well it's because the Kingfisher is a float plane and it can land on water, so they can just stop like near this dude and he can just climb, kind of climb aboard and sit in one of the back seats of the helicopter. I find that very interesting that he was able to do that um, and then they continue to provide fire support for the Marianas attacks and the Palu-Yap-Lithi-Lolai raid the Holinda raid The satawan Ponape Raid, and some airstrikes against the Marcus Islands, Wake Island, and Saipan. And also the Battle of the Philippine Sea, she partook in that too. And then she returned to the United States in July 1944 and embarked President Franklin D. Roosevelt, and then steamed to Pearl Harbor for a meeting with Chester Nimitz and Douglas MacArthur. And then they carried the president to Alaska, where he departed from Baltimore. And then she returned to the war zone in November 1944, and was signed to the Third Fleet, and participated in attacks on Luzon uh, and the China coast, as well as Okinawa. And these are just shore bombardment duties, so basically just shooting up shore batteries and enemy positions within reach of the Baltimore's guns. Actually, a very dangerous duty because um, shore batteries tend to be fairly accurate, since they're not bobbing up and down in the waves. Uh, And then on the 26th of January 1945, she joined the 5th Fleet for the final operations of the war, which was the Honshu Island attacks, the Iwo Jima operation, and then the 5th Fleet raids of the Okinawa Islands. Baltimore's post-war service was uh, relatively unremarkable. Um, she served as part of the Magic Carpet Fleet, which was just taking U.S. soldiers back to the United States from abroad where they, wherever they had been serving. And it was part of the Naval Occupation Force of Japan from uh, the 29th of November 1945 to the 17th of February 1946. She departed the Far East on the 17th of February 1946 and returned to the United States and went out of commission in reserve on July 8th, 1946, at Bremerton, Washington. She was recommissioned on the 28th of November 1951 and assigned to the U.S. Atlantic Fleet. Then she deployed with the 6th Fleet in the Mediterranean during the summers of 1952, 53, and 54. And in June nineteen thirty-three, she re- or nineteen fifty-three rather, she represented the United States Navy in the British Fleet Review at Spithead, England. And on January fifth, nineteen fifty-five, she transferred to the Pacific Fleet and was deployed in the Seventh Fleet in the Far East between February and August nineteen fifty-five. And then Baltimore commenced pre-inactivation overhaul upon her return from the Far East and went out of commission. Uh, in reserve in Bremerton on May 31st, 1956, after only a total of 6.75 years in active service, unfortunately. She was struck from the Navy list on the 15th of February 1971, sold on the 10th of April 1972 to Zydell Ship Dismantling Company in Portland, Oregon, and subsequently scrapped by September 1972. Fairly quick scrapping for USS Baltimore. But... Her interesting service or interesting life has not ended ye quite yet because she was allegedly sunk by North Korea. So North Korea in their Victorious War Museum in Pyongyang claims or has several exhibits claiming that they actually sunk the ship in the Korean War. Uh, so what they claim happened on the 2nd of July 1950 is that motor torpedo boats from the People's or Korean People's Navy ambushed and sank the U.S. Navy heavy cruiser. This is not what happened. However, there was some action on that day. Well, the reason why it didn't happen is because the uh USS Baltimore was sitting in reserve in Bremerton, Washington at the time. So that just shows you how stupid the Korean Navy can be. Or rather, just the North Korean Navy. We're not speaking to our friends in the South Korean Navy at all. And the USS Baltimore didn't get transferred to the Pacific Fleet until 1955. That was like... what was it? That was five years after this alleged event occurred. Yeah, so, nice try North Korea. Um, but what actually happened there, and there was an actual battle on the second of July, nineteen fifty, is that several motor torpedo boats and gunboats were escort, or uh, North Korean motor and gu- torpedo and gunboats, uh, were escorting some North Korean transports, and uh, they ran into USS Juno, U- HMS Black Swan, and HMS Jamaica. Now USS Juno is a Worcester class U.S. Navy light cruiser. HMS Black Swan is uh, the Tier 1 Royal Navy ship in World of Warships. It's just a gunboat. And HMS Jamaica is a Crown Colony-class light cruiser, which specializes in destroying gunboats. Uh, Yeah, so you can imagine what happened to those gunboats. Uh, They got their butts whooped. Every single ship in that convoy was sunk by USS Juno, HMS Black Swan, and HMS Jamaica. And they did not suffer any damage or any loss of life and did not lose any of their ships. So yeah, I, I, I think it would be wise to take anything that you or any information you get from something calling themselves the Victorious War Museum in Pyongyang, North Korea with a slight bit of grain of salt. Anyways, that concludes the history section of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back right after the break with the World of Warships section of this episode. Welcome back to Rake Amateur, and we were just about to get started with the World of Warships section of this episode on USS Baltimore. So, without further ado, let's go over specifications of USS Baltimore. So, uh, this is going to be base specifications, because I've already uh, grinded through this ship and sold it, so... I don't have my upgraded specifications anymore. Uh, base specification, she has 36,600 hit points uh, and torpedo protection damage reduction of 4%, which is standard for cruisers. Uh, a little bit low on the hit point side, but once you upgrade it, I think you get up to like thousand, which is actually very good. Uh, For tier eight, or at least seems very good with the ship. So main battery consists of three Turrets of three guns each of 203 millimeter caliber. Uh, These are 55 inch mark 15 guns Uh, They have a 10 second reload time 180 degree turn time of 30 seconds maximum dispersion 132 meters Uh, They fire a 203 millimeter HEHC mark 25 shell and They have a maximum HE alpha damage of 2800 which is Really kind of low. It's really unimpressive. A chance of HE shells causing fire on target is 14%, which is eh, mediocre Um, I mean, it seems it seems to be less than 14% based on how many times I started a fire with the Baltimore But it is 14% uh, has 34 millimeter armor penetration capacity without IFHE. Uh, The AP shell fires uh, a 203mm AP Mark 21 shell, has a maximum AP shell damage of 5,000. The maximum range of these guns is, uh, quite frankly, terrible, 14 kilometers. Uh, Initial AP shell velocity is low, because this is, remember, this tier 8 and up uh, U.S. Navy guns, except, or, U.S. Navy heavy cruiser and battleship guns, uh, at least the fast battleships have that super heavy armor-piercing, with slow velocity, so 762 meters a second, which is pretty incredibly slow. Initial HE shell velocity is better at 823 meters a second. The secondary armament consists of six turrets of two guns each. Uh, they are 5-inch, 127-millimeter, 38-caliber Mark 12 guns and a Mark 32 mount. The reload time is 6 seconds. The HE shell is 127mm HE Mark 32 shell. Standard HE shell damage is... Eight, or maximum HE shell damage is a fairly standard 1800 damage. Chance of fire on target is only 5%. Never have I ever set a fire with these things. I have several times gotten close enough to use them. Um, uh, they have armor penetration capacity of 21mm. Maximum range of 6.6km. Initial HE shell velocity of 792m a second. Um... On paper, they do look good because they are those dual-purpose mounts, and they are five-inch, and you can fire up to four of them for the turrets for a grand total of eight guns at any one target, um, but they're not super useful. They're close in more like point-defense guns. Um, used them on a few destroyers, they're not terribly effective, nor are they terribly accurate. Uh, The AA defense is rated at 74, it's got pretty numerous mounts, Uh, continuous damage is 279, damage by shell explosions is 1540 damage, Uh, priority sector reinforcement is 50%, and the firing range is 5.8 kilometers. Um, Yeah, it's pretty good, Uh, obviously it's a US ship so it is going to have good AA, but I mean what it even is AA with the uh, Commander rework, uh, it's not super effective in any ship except for like maybe the Cleveland and the Worcester maneuverability, maximum speed is 32 and a half knots, which is slightly slower, as you'll remember, than real life. The turning circle radius is 730 meters, which is actually worse than their battle- in the battleships, uh, of, or the standard battleships, but it's, it's not too bad, it's, it's okay. Um, the concealment on this thing is pretty darn amazing. Uh, with Concealment Expert, you can get the concealment range down to 9.8 kilometers. Did, um, without the concealment module, um, and just stock, it is 12.6 kilometers, which is, it's pretty good for a stock ship. Um, detectability range by air is 7.2 kilometers, uh, and the detectability range after firing main guns and smoke is 7.2 kilometers. Um, yeah, like, you can stealth radar with this thing, with Concealment Module and Concealment Expert, which makes this thing extremely dangerous. Uh, especially for destroyers, because whenever you're spotted, and assuming you haven't fired your guns, you can radar it. If you can't see it, radar, and then it'll pop up. I've used it more than once. Uh, this does make this thing, at least before, or in ranks uh, Season 1, made this thing an absolute monster. Maybe not an absolute monster, but a definitely a very good ship, at least in my opinion. I had quite a bit of fun playing this thing in ranked battles. Assuming your battleships were capable of thinking and breathing at the same time, uh, this ship is objectively better than the tier nine counterpart in uh, a lot of ways. It has basically the same armor layout, and uh, I'll kind of go through it. So it does have a 27 millimeter bow, which means it's a much improved or it's an improvement over. Uh, the tier seven counterpart, which could not ricochet 16-inch or 15-inch guns, this thing can ricochet up to 15-inch guns. So pretty much all the battleships you'll face at tier eight and lower, save the Colorado, Nagato, Amagi, uh, um, North Carolina, Kansas, and and the Soviet things. Yeah, the Soviet things you can't ricochet too. So that'd be the Vladiv- Vladivostok and uh, the Suno. At least I think the synop has 16-inch uh, guns. Well, the armor is pretty good. It's pretty much just basically what I said in um, uh, real life. They've done a pretty good job replicating it. The uh, front plate on the turrets is 203 millimeters. The side plating is 65 millimeters, uh, And top plating is 76 millimeters. The armor belt is weirdly really far below the waterline. I don't really like that about this ship. Because the armor belt uh, that you're going to mostly see and get penned is only 27mm of armor, but just below the waterline covering the Citadel, uh, it is called the Citadel armor belt, it is 152mm thick, so you can do some cheeky ricochet shots. However, this thing does have a transom stern. Well, Jaden, what's a transom stern? Well, a transom stern is um, a stern of a ship that is basically just completely flat. And it's really bad in World of Warships because that means you're penning at a flat angle, which means anything can pen 27mm armor, leading basically straight to your Citadel. Which is not fun. Yeah, because your your Citadel does only have 127mm of uh, rear thwartship armor. And the Citadel deck is only 65mm thick. So you'd be penning just over 180mm of armor to get into the Citadel, which is not very much. And if you have any variety of plunging armor, I mean not plunging armor, plunging fire, you will be able to pen this thing. Um, As far as being penned from the front, it does have a cheeky ricochet or, kind of a cheeky corner on the end of it, which you can ricochet pretty much anything off of it. Uh, wouldn't count on it, because uh, you will get penned, especially if it si- hits the Citadel Thwartship, because that is only 152mm thick, and if they manage to pen your bow, they will pen that too. The Citadel is fairly low, it sits at the waterline, so that's good. Uh, however, you will still receive a lot of penetration damage due to the high freeboard of the ship. ...or reasonably high freeboard of ship. and What's freeboard, Jaden? Well, it's the dis- distance from the weather deck to the water. And the weather deck is like the, the deck that the guns are on. Um, yeah, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, it does have protection in the form of that 27mm plating, but if they manage to pen through that, they'll have to go through the main warship which is only 6mm thick, and then they can have access to your Citadel warship if they pen another 152mm armor, which is not that much. Um, the barbed armor is 160mm thick, uh, still would run a speed, uh, a, whatchamacallit, a flag, uh, for a detonation flag, Juliet Charlie, that is good. Your, si- your superstructure plating is only 16 millimeters so it tends to get farmed by destroyers pretty easily, that is a downside of the ship. As far as, um, upgrades go, uh, you do have tier 8, so you have access to that 5th slot. Uh, so, gonna go with main armaments mod 1, we're gonna go with, uh, mm, Probably engine room protection, although you can go for damage control system mod 1 for slot 2. Uh, for slot 3, you're going to go for aiming systems just to reduce the dispersion, but you could go for main battery mod 2 to reduce the turret traverse time. For slot 4, we're going to do steering gears modification, or no, propulsion modification 1. You could go with steering gears, that will decrease your rudder shift time, because the rudder shift on this ship is 10.2 seconds, which isn't bad, but it's also pretty sluggish for a cruiser. Um. I guess it's... uh, There are battleships that have better rudder shift time than that, so some would argue it's bad. I argue it's not super bad for the type of play the ship warrants, but we'll more talk about that later. Uh, Propulsion system, modification one, is going to be very important because that speeds up your time it takes to get to maximum speed, and um, that's very important from getting out from behind islands. It reduces that time by 50%, and from getting out behind islands and stuff, it really, really helps you. Um... Uh, for slot five, hands down concealment systems modification one, you could take steering gears modification two, which is going to reduce the rudder shift time by 40% and the steering gears repair time by 80%, which means you'll basically have no, almost no repair time on your, uh, steering gears, but detectability range by C, reducing it by 10% with your concealment systems mod one is very, very useful. Um, and that's because you'll be able to stealth radar and that is very, very useful for this ship, because the ship tends to sit behind islands a lot, and it needs to know what's coming, even though it might not have direct line of sight to it. Um, As far as commander skills are concerned, it's a pretty standard commander skill uh, build for pretty much all of the U.S. Navy heavy cruisers, and pull my commander up to see what I have. I have a 13-point commander on this ship. I go with gun feeder, which is... It used to be Expert Loader. They changed the name. Essentially, what it does is it it reduces the time taken to switch your shell type uh, by 50%, assuming all your main battery guns are loaded. So instead of having a 10-second reload time, you'll have a 5-second reload time. Um, uh, That's very useful for this ship because it tends to switch ammunition a lot. Uh, And then for my second uh, two-point skill, I went with Priority Target. Uh, it's an essential for all cruisers. Actually, pretty much all ships should run priority target. It's an indispensable skill. It's, it gives you a lot of information, and that's just telling you how many ships are going to be shooting at you. So you can, if no one, if you know that no one's shooting at you and you're detected, you still can theoretically go broadside and change positions. Not recommended, but it allows you that option. Uh, I then went with adrenaline rush for my three-point skill, um, and that's because it's going to allow you to. Reduce your reload time as your ship's health goes down, and that will happen, let me tell you. So it's very useful. And then also went with heavy AP shells, which is going to increase the damage done by AP shells with a main battery caliber 190 millimeters and above. And that just helps you. Uh, I have Citadel cruisers and stuff, and it's very useful. And then for my four point skill, I went with Concealment Expert because all the other ships are not super useful. Um, you're. Uh, top-grade gunner, Mm, not really. Uh, use- super useful, I guess, well, uh, yeah, I-, I guess with the new commander rework it could be useful, but, uh, not super useful. Not as useful as Concealment Expert. On my second time around, I would probably pick Grease the Gears, because who doesn't like extra main battery traverse speed? Uh, Pyrotechnician I would stay away from, because you tend not to fire a whole lot of HE in this ship. Although, it is situational, so you could pick it up. And then I'd probably pick up, um... i pick up Superintendent. Uh, because it gives you that ch- charge on radar. And that is very, very useful. As for, uh, just the playstyle of the ship. Well, this ship is objectively better than its counterpart at Tier 9, the Bolt Or the, um, Buffalo. The Buffalo is a ship that should... Uh, shouldn't be in the game. It really shouldn't. It doesn't deserve to be in the game. It's not, I ground through the Baltimore, and I didn't like the Baltimore when I first got it, but now that I learned how to play it, I learned how to appreciate its strengths. Um, the Buffalo is literally just a Baltimore at 210 with a heal and an extra turret, and it pays for that dearly. Well, Jaden, how does it pay for it? A uh, super sluggish um, rudder shift time. I believe it's up to 16 seconds, which you're talking like battleship rudder shift time there. That is... T- horrid you cannot dodge shells in the buffalo uh it's also a lot more sluggish it's got like a it's a much larger turning circle radius uh it's a much bigger target it doesn't have a necessary hit points increase and it it really doesn't have that great of armor its range is terrible it's b- got baltimore style range at tier 9 so you do have to get within 15 kilometers of your enemies. To be able to shoot at them, and that is just unacceptably close. I it's ugh, I really don't like it. it. It it hinders your ability or hinders your ability to sit behind islands and to shoot, which is what these ships excel at. By having a short range, you have to keep constantly moving islands, and when you're moving islands, you're vulnerable, and you can get spotted and slapped from outside of view range. Which since this thing's at tier eight, it doesn't happen a whole lot, um, but it does happen. So, for the Baltimore, it's got a tricky play style because it's easier to say for something as maneuverable and, um, I guess flexible as a light cruiser, say Cleveland, you can just more or less go to the center of the map, find an island, stick behind, it. and if that doesn't work, you can quickly get out of the situation and be able to just be fine. The Baltimore, not so much. It's a bit slu- more sluggish, it's a bit slower, I believe, um, and the guns don't reload as fast, there's not as many guns. Uh,. But it does manage. I would say go to the cap and just kind of sit behind an island. This thing doesn't favor super aggressive play in the beginning of the match. That's just going to get you killed. Uh, This thing is a very passive ship. You have to be patient and you have to wait for the right opportunity to strike. It's an excellent ambush predator because it does have that concealment range of 9.8 kilometers maximum. You... Can sneak up on light cruisers, and if you sneak up on light cruisers, get your guns to bear, you will one-shot some light cruisers if you get a decent amount of citadels, which isn't hard because of the extra good penetration angles and penetration uh, values of these American eight-inch hikes ex- or eight-inch super heavy armor-piercing guns. I, in fact, for a long period of time in the Baltimore, only fired armor-piercing, and. I still pretty much do. That's pretty much all I fire in my Buffalo is armor piercing. People might think I'm stupid for shooting at battleships with armor piercing and might not think I know what my one key does, but I do know what my one key does, and the reason why I'm not shooting this high explosive in the Baltimore is because it only has nine guns, and that high explosive only does 2,800 damage per uh, shell hit, and that's assuming you get a full penetration on something that can has 2,800 hit points to, to uh, take. So you multiply 2800 times 9 guns, you only have an alpha strike of 25,000, assuming you get full penetrations. But usually I end up getting around 500 damage salvos, which is unacceptable for a 10 second reload. I can understand a 500 damage salvo for something with a 5 second or less reload, but it just does not have the high explosive DPM to dish out damage efficiently. So you resort to the armor piercing, and let me tell you, that armor piercing will do full penetrations from the strangest angles. If you hit the superstructure of a battleship, you will often do over-penetrations. Which is not surprising, but then you hit the belt armor of some battleships at decent range, we're talking 12 kilometers around. You will sometimes get full penetrations, depending on what ship you're shooting at, you may get citadels. Yes, I have citadelty North Carolina with this thing, and that was funny. Uh, citadel of North Carolina was funny in a cruiser. I mean, most battleships, actually, pretty much all battleships can do it, because uh, the North Carolina does have stupidly thin belt armor. But the Baltimore can do it as well. It gets some cheeky citadel hits. I remember I was also shooting at a Schoenhorst once, and with the Baltimore, I was able to get seven to thirteen k salvos off of him with my nine gu- nine uh, guns. So. Yeah, it just shows you the value of the um, high penetration super heavy armor piercing. I really only fire that unless it's at extreme range. Uh, I will fire the armor piercing or the high explosive just to get some um, just to get some early damage in, but then quickly switch to the armor piercing just to get some reliable damage in. Now, why do I say switch to the expert loader skill or have the expert loader skill? Well, because this thing is a cruiser. It does shoot at destroyers. Having a 10-second reload to get your... Or having to shoot, then have a 10-second reload to get your high explosive up is much less than just switching ammunition types when your guns are loaded, having that 5-second reload, and then being able to shoot high explosive down the throat of the destroyer. Yes, this thing's very dangerous because one time in a ranked battle, or actually several times in a ranked battle, and one notable time, was uh, the last ship alive was a Kagero. And all our destroyers had been destroyed, all our, light like, cruisers had been destroyed, all there was is me, a Vladivostok, um, and... Ooh, what was it? Uh, no, there was, a uh, two Massachusetts. And yes, all those ships are extremely dangerous to, uh, or, uh, they are extremely dangerous to a Kagero, if it ever gets spotted. Now, there's no way that I can outspot a Kagero in my Baltimore, because the Kagero has, like, sub-6 kilometer, I th- believe... Uh, detection ranges which means that is obviously less than 9.8 kilometers so if he plays carefully I will never be able to outspot him unless I use my radar but in ships like ie the Buffalo or um, I believe the Cleveland too and the Seattle and possibly the Des Moines as well you cannot stealth radar which means if you're spotted it does not necessarily mean he is within radar range of you not so with the baltimore with the baltimore if you are spotted you can radar him so what happened was is that i got spotted by the kaguro i had not fired my guns in the last 20 seconds so i fired up the radar kaguro spotted everybody focused their secondaries on them i got my high explosive uh some solid high explosive hits and he was dead within 10 seconds of me spotting him yeah so that's just how dangerous this ship can be because a lot of people don't realize Oh, if I spot a Baltimore, he's not going to be able to shoot at me. Or he's not going to be able to radar me. Well, that's not necessarily true. Sometimes you can stumble across the Baltimore at 9.8 kilometers, and if his radar is off cooldown, he will fire that radar up and absolutely radar you, and possibly kill you, depending on what type of uh, health you're on. Um, uh, as far as playstyle with the ship, I would really recommend going to the Flanking Islands. And what do I mean by flanking islands? Well, I mean islands that aren't necessarily, like, in the center of the map, more on the flank, but not super far out on the flank that me- makes you irrelevant. Like on the edge of the cap are islands that I would go to and try to fire over or use them as protection and point to your bow towards your enemy. Now, remember what I said about that 27mm, or, yeah, I believe it's 27mm plating. Yes, 27mm plating on the bow uh, is trollishly good sometimes. Uh, I have trolled some Bismarcks and Tirpitz into taking shots, and then just bounce them, or just laugh at them, as their shots merely bounce off my freedom-backed bow. Um, and you can bounce Leon shots, you can bounce Richelieu shots, you can bounce jean Bart shots, and Alsace shots. It's kind of funny how many shots you can bounce. Now, when a Massachusetts pops up, that's when the fun ends, because he can shove it straight into your thwartship and citadel you from the front. But let's not talk about that now. So in ranked battles, assuming there is no Massachusetts on the enemy team, or at least in season one ranked, you could play like a battleship because there was absolutely nothing they could do when you were coming straight bow towards them, and you could citadel them. Uh, Like you take like something like if you see a Lyon or not a Lyon, a Richelieu, you could potentially citadel them if they come out of broadside to you or from around an island. I've done it before. I've won a fight against the battleship or against the north carolina just a straight-up gunfight against the north carolina now i know the north carolina can't ricochet off the bow but um it just shows you that this ship can play sort of like a battle cruiser in fact it does play like a super cruiser um it doesn't quite have the maneuverability of most cruisers nor does it quite have the maneuver or nor is it quite as bad as a battleship but it's also got more firepower than cruiser but less than that of an average battleship So, like I said, go to the flanking islands. I have tried going to the center islands, sort of between, like, B and C cap or B and A cap. And it's marginally works. On some maps, it does work very well. It really depends on the map. Uh, And that's because sometimes you can get caught out in the open if you get spotted and something can hit you from across the map and just ruin your day. Oh, another thing I forgot to mention is that you might notice that this uh, rear turret um, on or in the stern end of the Baltimore is really far away from any superstructure, or at least comparatively far away from any superstructure. And that means that it's really got really good firing angles. You do not have to expose much broadside at all to get this thing to fire. In fact, you you can get most auto uh, most things to auto bounce off your belt uh, and still fire that turret. It's pretty amazing. And if you can't get things to auto bounce you can merely just swing out take a shot swing back in swing out take a shot swing back in you know what i mean um and anyways back to the island situation i would go to an area which has the most island cover possible and just sit behind islands and try to shoot over them Quick tip, if you can't shoot over the islands with the high explosive ammunition, try to shoot over them with your armor-piercing ammunition. The armor-piercing ammunition has lower velocity, which means a higher shell arc, which means that we'll be able to shoot over the islands, or could be able to shoot over the islands that the high explosive ammunition cannot. Uh, So sitting behind those islands is a good idea for the early game, but when things start to get low on health, in the late game, and thing, you need to start getting caps and stuff like that, uh, that the enemy team has flipped back to their side, that is when the Baltimore really shines. Now, I I like to say that this ship gets progressively more dangerous as the game moves on, but that's pretty much true of every ship. If this ship can keep its health, there is pretty much nothing that can stop it. The destroyers will get nuked by its high-explosive ammunition. Although it's not very good, its ability to stealth radar uh, by... 200 meters and switch ammunition fairly quickly and deal that damage very quickly while exposing a very small profile because of the firing angles of that third turret, make it very hard for the destroyers to deal with. Light cruisers, it's extremely dangerous. Actually, any cruisers, it's extremely dangerous against because it will citadel you like you wouldn't believe and it's good at nuking light cruisers. Heavy cruisers the same. Soviet cruisers run in fear from this thing. They expose. They so much as think about exposing broadside. This thing, the improved, improved penetration angles and good penetration, of the armor piercing of these eight-inch guns will send them to Davy Jones' locker quickly. And battleships, well, low health battleships just won't survive against this because most of them can't even hit this thing or can't even penetrate this thing's bow. However. The Massachusetts, the North Carolina, you know, that type of thing, those get fairly dangerous late game. But assuming those have already been destroyed by your destroyers, they tend uh, to not be an issue. Uh, So what's the gist of this ship? I know I've been talking about keeping island cover, but not staying behind islands too long so as to not do anything in this map. So that's what's tricky about the Baltimore. Do I stay behind this island or do I move out and try to make a move? And you really have to, it, it just comes down to experience. Because these ships have been heavily nerfed with the Commander rework. And that's because they, they can't work the flank like they used to be able to. Like this thing, although it it was not the greatest at it, it could work the flank fairly well. It's not like a Cleveland where it really can't open water gunboat. This thing kind of can do it. It can hold a flank pretty well on its own but now it can't because these ships that used to not be a super huge issue are now being able to hit this thing reliably from way outside its gun range and that's the biggest problem with the baltimore is stuff being able to hit you but you not being able to hit them uh that's why i recommend taking that uh uh, the uh b hull, or no the fire control systems first so that increases your range to something that's not horrific. It's still bad, but it's it's workable. Uh, oh, quick note. I recommend taking Hydroacoustic Search instead of uh, Defensive AA because this thing is not a Cleveland. Uh, Hydroacoustic Search is far more uh, useful than Defensive AA is. Anyways. Um, yeah, so that's the big issue. Do I stay behind this island or do I go out and fight? And sometimes you make the wrong decision, you'll get yourself nuked and destroyed. And that's... That's, I mean, not... That is kind of down to player skill, but there is a certain amount of it that's just down to luck. Like, sometimes you come out of an island and, oh my goodness, there's a North Carolina there. Uh-oh. And you'll just get destroyed, and there's not much you can really do about that. Um, And then sometimes you come outside of that island, and there'll be, oh, there's a Cleveland there Broadside. Nuke him, destroy him, and just go on a rampage. Yeah, so that's... This ship is really based down to luck, what, what ships you're facing and things like that uh, but for early game I would say first first maybe five to seven minutes seven ish minutes sometimes 10 minutes of a battle depending on how slowly battles progressing because battles tend to progress a bit slower with dead I know um, yeah you you really want to stay hugging those islands you don't you want to expose yourself to uh, minimum the minimum amount of enemy fire as possible. But, if, let, let's say, there's uh, not a ship that can overmatch your battles, let's say you're playing in a Tier six match, well, then you're just going to push, push, push. Because you're a heavy cruiser that's now turned into basically a battleship, and that is what the Baltimore is for. Um, but Tier ten games, you're going to spend more time in the islands, so that's what, that's what I mean by this ship really depends on the situation. It is a support ship because it is a U.S. Navy ship. And that's why it's hard to recommend this ship because... Or not recommend, but tell you how to play this ship. It's because it's so hard to tell you, well, this is how you're going to do in this situation, and this is what you're going to do in this situation. Because it's every situation is different. I can't really tell you, like, what to do. Um, Like I said, early game, stick behind those islands. You're a Cleveland now. Late game, when battleships are dead, usually... Or there's only destroyers left, or the battleships that are alive cannot overmatch your armor. That's when you have to push. So ugh, it's it's hard. There's it's hard to give you just a gist of how to play this ship. But um, I guess if I oversimplify it, and this is just a general way that usually will get you a good amount of damages early game. Sit behind islands. Late and er, er, and survive. Just try to survive. Late game, start to push and push hard make sure you have maybe like one or two teammates or if there's only cruisers on the other team go around sulking around those islands and start trying to ambush those light cruisers that would be my gist of how to play uss baltimore would i recommend in this this deadeye age of starting the u.s navy heavy cruiser line no absolutely not i started this grind before deadeye was probably even conceived by its uh, creators in wargaming i i really didn't anticipate something like that happening and plus i'm an american i want to play american ships so i was like all right let's play the heavy cruisers because it's got the word heavy in it must be good right well not totally with the commander rework it's actually very very hard to play these cruisers because they are like super cruisers and super cruisers are extremely hard to play in the post dead age so I guess until they deal with Deadeye, do not grind this line of ships. Do not. Unless you're really committed and you just really want that Des Moines. Do not grind the ship. But if you really must, that's how you should play it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I like making these episodes. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can go do it by going to anchor.fm slash rankamateur and donating a certain amount of Money, I believe it specifies it's like one ninety or ninety nine cents a month, four ninety nine a month, and then nine ninety nine a month. It really helps out with the podcast. Uh, you can also uh, purchase some merchandise uh, from the Rank Amateur Store, which is linked below this video. And if you have any ship suggestions that I can do or ships that I should do or um, ships that i might have that i should try or any new lines that you want me to grind because i am starting to near the end of the grind with the u.s navy heavy cruisers i'm like probably halfway through the buffalo and i am almost on to the iowa as far as the uh u.s navy battleships are concerned and for the pan destroyers i'm about to get the hessen yang so uh, credits are a big issue right now. Anyways, uh, if you have any ships that you want me reviewed, just shoot me an email, at gmail.com. It is linked in the description below. And until next time, Captains!